to another episode of Loud About Nothing. It's me, the fucking hottest dude in the podcast game, fucking Sebi Chianti, Sebastian Canelli. And as always, we got the cute boy here himself. Uh, he may not be blood, but he is my nephew. Give it up for Robbie boy. Robbie, say what's up. What's up, Sebastian? I mean, I'm so excited for this guest. When I was at UCB, this, he was the fucking goat. This was the funniest. No, don't you dare shake your head. No, I'll get pissed at you. Okay, he was right. the funniest person I've ever seen on stage. He literally rocked my world, and he's who I wanted to be when I was at UCB. He, I mean, he's done a lot of fucking great stuff. He he created the president's show. He was Trump for way too many years, okay? <laughs> he's on season three of What We Do in the Shadows. But most importantly, he's a noted author. <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> Give it up for Atamnik. Anthony Atamnik. What's up, bro? Sebastian. That was that was a very gracious intro. I want to say to you that the second you walked into that room, the first time I saw you in a classroom, uh, you it was like twenty minutes into the class, and I was like, "Oh, this!" I was like, "He's not only he's got it." I was like, "This is, this is my guy." Yeah. I was like, I was like, "This is my guy." He gets it. He's fucking funny as shit and smart as shit, and I like that. In my view, because I think you know this pretty well, which is that I have great contempt for most of the students and most of the improvising population. I think they're a bunch <laughs> of lily white fucking privileged shitheads. Yes. And most of them have never known struggle in their lives in any way. No. Interior struggle, economic struggle, anything. And it's so rare you get to see someone who maybe came up some way in the way that you get it. You know, and I'm not saying that I was like, you know, I wasn't working the like logging vessels, you know, and like fucking Maine or something. But, you know, at a minimum had to like work a yeah. bit. Oh, I'd like spit a piece of lentil onto my mic. And this it's is, like the it struggle looks, is real. It huh? looks like old. Yeah. Cum. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because a lot of people straight from college go to UC Bay. You know, uh -huh. and the most that they did was they took bad ecstasy one time. Did you just eat the lentil and swallow it? No, no. I'm taking okay. my maca root pills so <laughs> I can get a fucking heart on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. He's going to be raging with a boner by the end of the episode. That's yeah, I like to jack it on my podcast. I'm no Jeffrey Tubin. I fucking show everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't pretend. He turns the camera on to jerk off. You know? yeah, that's right. I, you know I'm what? The last person on Chatterbait. I actually, <laughs> I'm the last person on on Chatterbait, and uh, and I fucking I, I jerk to myself. You know what? The first time I met you was on Chat Roulette, and you were just a, you were a man dressed up as Hitler jerking off to me. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But uh, <laughs> anyway, okay. Do you remember when you taught classes? You would turn all the lights. I mean, you hated teaching improv to some degree. Yes. Yes. You would turn all the lights off and you would smoke a vape and you say, do a bath for me. And you wouldn't laugh. And all you would see was the blue light in the back of the classroom. <laughs> and you're going, oh, <laughs> just groaning <laughs> as you would get high as fuck in the back of the class making money. And all of us just be like, I hope he likes us. I hope he likes us. <laughs> that was my first meeting of you, Anthony. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's I it's funny. I, I will say that um, it was a mix for me. Because yeah. uh, there was a part of me also, which is why I stopped privately teaching. When I reached this point where I was like, I'm taking people's money. And yeah. I think in teaching at UCB too, I was like, a lot of these people, I'm taking their money and they're never going to fucking amount to shit. I mean, they're never going to fucking... <laughs> 
ever do anything. And the thing is, I felt bad because I feel like improv at a certain point before you get up through the levels is like a way station point. It's like where people who are lost or don't really have a sense of confidence or they want more confidence or they they're overconfident or, you know, whatever mix, they come in there and they don't really know what they want to get out of it. And so even though probably some people would think I wasted time sometimes, I felt like it was important to like give those people outs and exits to be like, hey, so you did it. You learned a little bit about public speaking or you can write your sh shitty fucking ad campaign now, you yeah, fucking yeah. cock. <laughs> or like whatever. Exactly. Like you, you yeah. know, you can go. So go, yeah, like yeah, go yeah. away, go away and get out of here so that this place doesn't become watered down and then get f sort of subsumed by mapping societal issues to like the improv theater so that it collapses under its own weight and then there's no scene but that happened so there's nothing you could do <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you feel happy that you got that you took off before it fucking died dude i got out of there 2015 and it was like fucking oh. luke flying away from the death star i was like <laughs> bye bye bitches <laughs> i know you you left as soon as shit like really took a turn for the worse I mean, I was lucky because the tour started. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, I love it. I mean, I love improvising. I love doing characters. And, and the thing, too, is like status wise and all that shit. It's like still when like Hubel and Sheer asked me to do their like, you know, Instagram or not their 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 Twitch show. Yeah. I still feel like I'm the person who like was on like a Herald team and got asked to like do a weekend show with like owen burke or someone like that mm -hmm. never changes i find like you always still sort of check to the people who were there before you i like those things i think those things those things are are important in like the growth of a community and the sense that you're supposed to have a sense of uh awe with the people above you you should have a sense of co community with the peers around you yeah. And you should have a bit of contempt for those coming up. That's like the point, because that's the ecosystem that you that people should be in. And then the idea is to break out of that ecosystem. The point is to understand the system and then break it the way that you need to break it to do well. And it's a selfish pursuit as much as it's a communal pursuit. Right. Sure. And I don't think people ever admit the part where it's like they're in it for themselves and da da da. They 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 lay into the part where it's all community and oh god and we're all one one for all and that's bullshit i mean you must have felt good at the theater you know you must have at some point felt like i'm the funniest person right now i don't think i ever felt i was the funniest person right anthony, now. anthony anthony no you, no bro <laughs> absolute there was a time where it was your whole you 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 were the king of the kingdom I guess so. I mean, I guess maybe the way that works is that you don't know you are. You don't care you are. I, I mean, I, I never was uh, like, listen, Tony show was has to be one of the longest running unpopular shows that ever ran at the UCB East. I mean, that show ran for like five years. I don't think we ever had more than a half full house ever. And we had really big names on that show. It's Huge. like guests and shit. Um, so I guess I always, uh, well, I you would I, also yeah. do, you would also do story. You would also do a show where it was, uh, um, a, what a wonderful life, but nine 11 never happened. You know what yeah, I mean? I wonder yeah. why the show wasn't so popular. 
Yeah, you too were... soon. There was the one I did too soon where it was, uh, what's her name? Uh, fucking, who's the little doopsy good shit lollipop, good ship lollipop? What's her name? Uh, yeah. um, uh, Shirley Temple. Sh- yes, okay. yes. Shirley Temple had died that day. So I did a thing where I was Shirley Temple and Andy Rocco was um, uh, uh, the heroin uh, guy, died of the heroin overdose, incredible actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, okay. Um, and I did one where they were in purgatory singing Anything I Could Do, You Could Do Better. And it was about like shooting heroin in different parts of their bodies. And then she <laughs> shot it in her clit and she won. I mean, I'm surprised the show wasn't wildly... <laughs> Mass commercially successful. <laughs> Shirley Temple shooting heroin in a clip, Anthony. I mean, this is the best. This is it, this is almost a commercial. You know what I mean? This is an very, old spice commercial. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm very, it's very. I'm kind of glad that apparently did people didn't record shows back then on their phones. Uh, but like, I, you know, I, I feel like um, you get into a peer group. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I knew at a certain point that i knew the skill set that i could do what i wanted to yeah and i would probably be funny that i would have a baseline of funny but i would say you you maybe understand i think you would understand this which is that that to me comes from like working uh since i was 14 sure and also where i grew up in chelsea which was you know a shithole is that like you got to serve you and also all the addiction shit and all that stuff that i went through your mind is just i gotta survive and so what do i have to do to survive and survival doesn't mean surviving just getting by survival means like i need to control the situation i need to control it and so for me being the best i could be at it doing the best i could Mm -hmm. and proving these other folks that you know in my mind even though they probably aren't thinking this i'm proving them wrong or whatever like all the chips on my shoulder that didn't exist probably with anybody else sure that probably drove me to be like i will be funny and i think i also was in therapy at the same time so like i associate improv with the idea of like unlocking your mind and so like to me doing improv was uh, like a meditative state so I could un I could do things in that state that I couldn't do in my day to day state. I totally get that. I mean, yeah. when I first started, I, it was the first time I was in the moment ever was doing improv. The first time I was ever in the moment was on stage. Yeah. Besides that, I mean, it was just like I was do the most I would be in the moment was looking for drugs. Yeah. Well, exactly right. Looking for drugs, it, like everyone's like, what's the best part about doing drugs? That you're always busy. You yes. always were like, I had something to do. And then when you did drugs, you were finally there. Yes, know? exactly yeah. right. And that the hunt, the yes. anticipation was almost, there's a book on addiction actually that talks about intent. Yeah. That once you set the intention, that the intention is almost more than the high. Yes. Because the intention is, how do I get it? Ooh, mm-hmm. it's good. I got it. Ooh, I went into this situation where there was like, three rough guys in this apartment and I'm not sure if I'm going to get out of here and I got out of here and I got, and I didn't get too ripped off. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, 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 that's it. The high. Yeah. That's the high. And or then, even the decision yeah. to like, when you like the battle in your mind, should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? Yeah. And then when you're just like, I'm going to do it. That yep. is the ultimate like euphoria feeling. Cause you're yes. finally stopping the fight with yourself. Cause you succumbed. Yes. yes. And the thing is that that part of you, it, this is in my thing work is that that part of you is not a bad part. It's just an early, early part of your psyche that devised some sort of protection 
And it, oh, <laughs> did you Jeez. hear that? <laughs> Your body's speaking up for you. <laughs> Don't talk for me, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. That was so nasty. <laughs> that was wild. How can I even say the second part of this now? Now that a guato spoke out of my fucking throat. That was your throat? That was my like I drank some coffee and I yeah. think it like must have hit probably like some node in my throat. <laughs> it like gurgled down. I'm also like power vaping and coffee. Like I'm just like yeah. nic- <laughs> coffee, nicotine. You vaping a lot now? You know, I quit the whole first year of the pandemic. Yeah, what are you doing? Uh I went to Canada to film the shadows. Yeah. And one of the executive producers at like one of our like quarantine parties where like uh-huh. we were all quarantined and tested and we're not supposed to be anywhere you know around uh-huh. each other and then we yes. like hang out um was vaping and i then went and bought a pack of cigarettes and was like what am i doing so then i threw the pack without opening it into the garbage and mm-hmm. bought a jewel and was like oh, i'll just do it for while i'm here yeah and i haven't been so I've been with Flossie for 16 years, right? Prior to that, I had roommates. So I have not lived alone since, like, I was using in L.A. That was the yeah. last time. like that. So, like, 22, 23 years, I have not been alone living yeah. for any stretch more than, like, tour, which is not really living alone. But because of the way that they were filming and the quarantine shit with Canada, I ended up having five weeks where I had to stay in Canada in the apartment with no nothing to do and it was also the pandemic was surging so you couldn't really go anywhere and i fucking i mean it was i'm gonna tell you it was the great one of the greatest times of my life because i knew it was probably the last time this will happen Uh where i was just ordering weed like ordering fistfuls of weed yes vaping (laughs) i would wake up and eat eggs benedict then i would have a fucking full hero like a full hero sub for lunch and then i would order two double cheeseburgers for dinner Oh. Uh, not once a week, like three or four times a week. And then the alternate dinners were like Chinese or yeah. like, oh, I'll get pancakes today. I've had a little too much. <laughs> I gained, I gained the, I, the biggest I've ever been Yeah. for me. I was at two fifteen, which is wow. big for me. Cause yeah, normally yeah. I'm, you know, like one eighty, one eighty five. 185. I went to yeah. two fifteen, filmed. I look at pictures. I'm like, oh my god, they're, they're gonna be like that. No one's yet again. No one's gonna know it's me in the show because they're gonna be like, who's this fat guy? And and uh, most people I, would die it before a TV show. You, yeah, you're just yeah. binge eating, like like trying to die before you hit the set. Wait, I was fatter in, and we shot the episodes in reverse. So the first episode we shot was the second. So when the second episode, I'm fatter. So they're gonna be like, wait a minute, this guy's really. Really fat and this then the next day he's like fucking five ten pounds so i got home my wife was like you're a piece of shit and you she'll say to- that to you she'll, she'll be like oh yeah yeah are you good. kidding me that's yeah. I, I think that's i it's want great. a woman like that sometimes. yeah you need that yeah no you need that uh uh you need a, a partner who is gonna see through all your bullshit i don't I, uh, my wife doesn't even find me funny I, that's beautiful <laughs> That's at, you need that you need yeah. you make a joke and they just stare but stare at you go all right stop that fucking shit what's real you know? yes what's yes. real and also I'll say that today there was like an ad and I didn't realize it was an ad for but it was like two little babies kissing 
And I was like, look at these dirty little babies, right? And I was like, and plus, it's like, stop. And it turns out it's like an ad for like uh, St. Jude's like cancer. <laughs> but then I, I wanted to double down just to upset my wife and be uh -huh. like, these fucking, look at these little, they're making these babies kiss. What else are they doing to these babies? And it's like the baby has like a tube in its nose and shit. <laughs> and and Flossie's like, stop it. She's like, you're a piece of shit. You're yeah. fucking piece. So like, there's no, she's not, no, she didn't like me very but what she doesn't like you. <laughs> I get no, that. I'm kidding. I'm... No, no, but there's a part that likes that you, she doesn't like you, you know? Yes, yes, yeah. I yeah. get that 100%. I talk about it all the time that I like when a girl doesn't like me a little bit. Yeah, of course, because if yeah. they like you too much, you go, what's wrong with you? I, exactly. Because you don't like yourself. Anthony, and here we are. Here yeah. we are at the truth <laughs> of, of everything. At the truth of everything. <laughs> well, yeah, but so what I want to say is that that yeah. the attic part, that yeah. I found is a lot of people go, well, I want to get rid of this part of myself. I want to get rid of this. I got to mm -hmm. stop this. You can't stop your universe. You can't stop the universe that's inside you. Yeah. All those parts exist. They are, exist there. It's like, you, you you know, you can't remove your heart or brain and continue to function. I mean, you could remove your heart because it's like machines. But like the point being <laughs> is that you need all those parts. So the idea is to make relationships with the part with to, to have empathy for it and go, I understand you're trying to help me that whatever happened that you're now going, we need to go get some blow. We need to go get some weed. We yeah. need that. That parts in it's, it doesn't understand the outside world. It is existing in something that is not has any relationship, to this tangible world. It might not even exist in this timeline. It might be perpetually back when you're eight, just figuring out how to protect you. And so that's I what I used to do in, in improv all the time. Yeah. And that's what I did in improv was that was what I brought into improv was what if we stop being abusive to ourselves and recognize even our worst scene, our worst move, our worst, whatever, somewhere within your mind, your brain was like, I'm trying, I'm trying, let's see this. And the more you forgive those parts, the more likely you are to access them to work with you and, and you want yourself to work in concert with yourself, not in opposition. I do uh, CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy. So I do like yeah. stop, stop weights. Why, why am I thinking this? What, what is the reason? What's my history? Why I would have these thoughts right now? What can I do now to be good enough to satisfy that urge? Or like, what can I do in a positive way that will like yep. fix that? I mean, I'm fucking, I'm yeah. Anthony. Yeah, good stuff. for you. Yeah, I mean, that's I great. Have, what am I? I'll be dead. I would be dead, Anthony. Yep, that's it. I mean, like, no one. Why I didn't care about improv so much was because. I had, I mean, my life besides that was just people like doing drugs until they died. Yeah. So like, why, why am I going to care that I made up a scene that was a little bad? You yeah. know, <laughs> like, yeah. it took yeah. some of the like, oh, I'm going to be upset about pretend when reality's bad. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's so true. That, that, um, uh, uh, that is the, the thing that goes back to our sort of assessment of a lot of these uh other folks who were doing it which is like this was their world right this was yeah. like their big sink or swim and it's not to say i mean it's also not to say like you've got to have a fucking rough and tumble life in order to like but but it is true no, that like the harvard people have taught us that they could do very well without yeah. a rough and tumble life yeah yeah they're, <laughs> they're, trying, yeah. they're doing yeah. great yeah, yeah, exactly we're sitting at home on a podcast they're working yeah, 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 yeah i know i know I know they are. I mean, I listen, I hear it even some friends of mine uh, who will like, they'll come up with something that was just like, they're so worried and so scared. 
And I'll be like, you're worried and scared. I'm like, you know, I got scared during the pandemic about like dying. I don't want to die. My parents die or something. Yeah. I was also like, there's a fucking guy who's been delivering to my house for 20 years. And he's showing up every day having to do this fucking job. And you've got to check your your thing in the sense that have your feelings and understand like, all right, but I'm fine. At the end of the day, I'm yeah. fine. I got steaks in the freezer. Yeah. I've got every streaming service known to man. And the weed's still here. I'm fine. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. three things, <laughs> three things that matter. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm I, in this per. And by the way, that delivery guy might be like, it sucks, but like he's got his family and he's I'm not saying he's going home, you know, sitting alone with a can of Goya beans, just like crying, you know, like uh, he he's doing his own thing, too. But uh, so, you know, there's the other side of it, which is, you know, the sort of elitist uh, uh, version of the of fetishizing poverty and suffering for your own absolution. So you wave the banner of people suffering, not to really do anything, but just to simply pronounce your awareness and to prostitute their suffering as a way to elevate yourself, right? And so you yeah. see that a lot in the far, far left right now, you know, yeah. uh, the whole like, well, uh, uh, well, yeah, but you know, they're not homeless. They're differently living. And it's like, yes. get, I could get, tell you every homeless fucking person, if you said to them, hey, I have a question. Do you want housing, a job, and a food and food, or would you like to be called yeah, differently yeah. homed? Yeah. Which, which you get only one of the two. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's for them. It's not for the people that they're actually trying to help. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was like they gave the the Oscar to Nomadland, which was like a romanticization of like I guess home. I didn't see it, but I saw people I being like, yeah, they moved out all the homeless people in L.A. so that they could be in this station to give a movie to give an Oscar to a movie that was romanticizing homelessness. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. that's kind of the yeah. Yeah. And it's a and it's a movie that like it's like, well, does it, it does it shine a light on anything like what did it shine a light on? Uh, it, it shined a light on that a lot of people are living in other cars and having a, a terrible time. So what did it do? Did the movie's profits all go to anything? No, it went to Amazon. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like <laughs> it's, it's Amazon such, produced the movie. Yeah, it's such fucking horse shit. It's, it, but again, it's also like I shot in Seattle recently. And listen, I'm as like lefty left as they come. But fuck, man, if it ain't working, I don't give a fuck who you are. Seattle's a fucking mess. It's that city is a mess. It is populated with junkies. People people have lost their jobs or homeless. There's no sense of security in the city whatsoever. You've got people meandering around screaming about shit on every corner. And in addition to that, they're working on legislating these permanent tent homes. And again, the money you're working to legislate so people can live in fucking tents. Uh, why don't you just have the city buy back property that's been abandoned sure. and put people in fucking homes yeah, yeah. because this is the thing to me that's crazy is that we keep lowering the bar mm -hmm. there you should not in the united states have to live in a fucking tent that is sanctioned by a city government that doesn't mean that i think they should be you know wiping up people in tents and parks i'm not saying that but i'm saying that's the alternative you can't come up with yeah. better than that that's the government solution <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's well, not Republicans doing that. That's not supposed sellout corporatist uh, liberals doing that. That's fucking, you know, f people who, who love the fucking chop or whatever the fuck that was in Seattle, <laughs> yes. where people getting shot left and right 
people like I and know. by the way what happens when that shit happens when it's like oh this is the people's fucking part of portland right instantly you know violence and also people gather together as vigilantes to enforce things otherwise yes. known as policing so give me a break with this idea that the minute people organize, they don't have people who assume authority with weapons and then say, hey, we're going to tell other people what to do. But but fuck the police. And I'm not a fucking I'm not some blue lives matter person. I'm just saying that's absurdity. It's absurdity to go. Oh, well, you know, this is terrible. But our guys, our guys are good with guns. They'll they'll be fine. It's like, no, wait a minute. That's see, that's got to be worse. Power's the problem. As soon as you give anyone any power, they they take advantage of it, and all yeah. of a sudden they're. I think it's like more like we need to give equity yeah. into the like the community that switch. They're still living in a world that is under capital. Like what if you're giving actual equity into these people, and those people aren't just living in the streets in a small part yes. of Oregon, and they have like you said a house and they like that. I think is the more alternative to policing, but. Uh, direct yeah. switch i think there are like some things that you probably could do overnight that would make a big impact of course but um tons of things you could do but i could tell you that people but i'm saying that people declaring an autonomous zone and yeah yeah probably weapons not. and then going yeah, we're yeah. now the yeah, not yeah. cop cops it's the same problem and yeah. this is what i love is that people who believe they're above human nature uh look down and go well no it, if it just changed this way then it would be fine and it's like yeah but you're ignoring human nature you're ignoring the fact that people always sink to the same space when given the tools to do it the the reason we govern ourselves is because our nature is not to do the right thing yeah. <laughs> that 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 the majority of people want to be left alone so i'll say this it's not that not to do the right thing most people don't want to be bothered any way, shape, or form. The oh. people who want to bother are usually shut out because they seem weird and sort of like we don't want to deal with them, like at the town council meeting. And then who fills that vacuum? Psychopathic opportunists who then exploit systems through capitalism in order to uh, uh, make everybody else have to work to fill their coffers. So the, the, the easiest solution is to pay people $30 an hour, provide them with health care, yeah. and make sure everyone has a home of some sort uh and if you don't have a home a universal ba basic income until you have it i'm telling you right now if people only had to work 30 hours a week got paid 30 35 dollars an hour and they had health coverage and they could afford to go to a ball game once in a while and and go see a show and sure. and do whatever and they had some guaranteed vacation and childcare, we wouldn't be dealing with 90 percent of what we deal with now yeah, I almost all of this is economic and the and and the issues, you know, existential issues of race and 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 systemic racism in the United States and, you know, what our history is and how we view it. Those are not questions that are going to be answered uh, in the next 10, 15, 20 years. They're just not because there's too many factors and factions within all those groups that have different points of view on how to both address it, but also you're talking about reaching into people's minds. You can't do that. I could tell a racist fucker, they can't say it. Okay, great, you can't say it. Uh, well, you can't post about it. Okay, I can't post about it. Uh, you can't um, read about it. Okay, I can't read about it. You can't think it. I can think it all I want. You can't stop me from thinking it. And so the point is, is not, I'm not saying that me, I'm saying that like, <laughs> 
that you can't reach into people's minds. I can't stop thinking yeah, about it. I, I, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't yeah. it. I wake but up like, in the middle of the night sweating yeah. just with my thoughts. Yeah. But so much of the motivation going on right now, which is the performative version of it, not the real active, actionable version, which, by the way, you don't hear about because those people are doing things. They're not hosting Patreon podcasts um, like we are doing right now. Um, <laughs> But no, but like, but those, but but most people are trying to change how you think, right? It's like the vaccination ship. Someone doesn't want to get the vaccine. There's nothing you could tell them that's going to make them get it. Nothing. So you force them at gunpoint. That's how you do it. Do you do, uh, do you do you think that's okay to force people at gunpoint to get the vaccine? Absolutely. I think that we. I, should, I kind of I, agree with you, Anthony. I think we should. Fu- I think we should fucking round. I think every unvaccinated person. First off, you want to solve the economy? We got all this build back better. All this shit. Build giant labor camps. Take all these unvaccinated people, (laughs) put them in there, put them in there to build parts and build engines. They have nice housing, the whole thing. And and I'm talking the willingly unvaccinated, not like the person with lupus who can't get it. Yeah, that's so unfair for them, you know? Yeah. Then you put those willful people in there and you go, hey, you want to get out of this labor camp? All you have to do is get vaccinated. And you don't have to work here anymore. Jesus That's Christ it. Anthony. And you know what? And we'd have a surge in production for a few months until you wore them down. And then slowly they go, fine, I'll take the shot. And then mm-hmm. they go back out into the world to bother people in supermarkets about their fucking Americans with Disabilities Act card. <laughs> Whatever other crazy batshit bullshit these fucking human cattle fucking talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, at least he has a plan. The plan is flawed a little bit, but at least a lot of people talk about problems and have no solution. Anthony, you have solutions that are drastic. Oh, fuck it. Real. Drastic things call for drastic measures. I, it's you know, actually crazy. It, I, things and, are going to shut history, down again. I don't yeah. think I think they're going to make it mandatory before they would shut it down because they don't want to keep giving people three hundred dollars. They, I mean, they won't. The Supreme, if they tried to make it mandatory, the Supreme Court would fucking strike yeah, that down true. in four seconds. It's the same thing with the Voting Rights Act. Everyone, I, it's awful what's happening in all these states. But the truth is, if the Senate passed this vote at HR one, it would mm-hmm. be demolished by the Supreme Court within like months of it of it passing. Because it just wouldn't stand to muster you the way our system's set up. And I think there's always this problem between the way things are, which when someone says that, they're like, you fucking, you're a, you're a neoliberal. No, that's how the world is. That's how it is right now. These are the Senate rules. You can't do anything about it as it is now, right? So um, when you have, you know, these views of like force the vote or things like that where people are like all worked up, I don't understand how especially on the far far left everything's a cia or fbi plot right you know the uh, one six you know is really the fbi did it and you know this and and they're trying to censor us and this and that and, and this is coming and, from a conspiracy theory man himself this yeah oh you god are yeah. all off the rails i'm all yeah, yeah but i mean but i am glad because Absolutely. i'm the type who col- i never believe them i just found them interesting and Same. you see glenn greenwald pushing them now and matt taibbi who as much as i like matt i don't know I don't know. I don't agree with him at anything and because they are living in. What a do you virtual... like about him? Uh, nice shirts. No, he's just a nice guy personally. <laughs> oh, you know, him personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know nice... him personally. Yeah, I know Matt. Yeah. He's... Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. He's a nice guy. But, you know, I mean, listen, 
Aaron Mate's a nice person. He was on my show. I think he's out of his mind when it comes oh, yeah, to yeah, what yeah. he talks about. I think what he did with Anna Kasparian was was absolutely uh, rude. I think Jimmy Dore is a complete huckster. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is, <laughs> all these people, it's the same thing. They're making money hand over fist by yeah. creating intractable issues that are never satisfied and people attract to that. And then they could be like, yes. And so this perpetual orbit of grievance occurs where it's never satisfying enough. AOC is not satisfying enough. Bernie's not enough. Rashida Tlaib's not enough. I knew this was going to happen in 20 in 2019, 2020, because when you are spiteful and resentful, because uh, the world does suck and it fucks you and absolutely suck and fuck. That's what the world's about. And you know what? If the perpetual grievance is a perfect way to keep someone on a Mobius strip where they never get off of it. There's no solution because no solution's perfect. So therefore we just never have the solution. The grievance is the solution to, to a lot of these folks. The grievance is the solution. If I'm just aggrieved because yeah. it never can be solved, then I've won. So, yeah. Uh, my question, though, is how come with all these conspiracies, no one has noted that between Kyle Kalinske and all these folks, they all seem to do a very good job of taking real legitimate issues like getting rid of student debt, uh, Medicare for all, uh, raising uh, minimum wage, housing for all, uh, uh, Green New Deal, how to how to solve energy issues. Isn't it amazing the work they've done in just eight months to create a clown show? That is embarrassing. That is what you really see on social media. That's basically what you see. Yeah. Whoa. Hasn't anyone thought maybe that's a CIA or FBI plot? Sure. I mean, if we're going to be. But don't you think, though, like, you like know, people in government end up if you're in government long enough, they have to kind of become complicit to the system. Like you were saying, like, it doesn't matter if this gets sure. passed and then the Supreme Court knocks it down. So you need like activists who are kind of somewhat on the streets are like pushing maybe not kyle kalinsky but like activists, activists you do that need. are you that are activists. like pushing these issues and organizing Absolutely. and then like yeah aoc is being complicit we got to keep her here Absolutely. so that she we know that the more aoc's in government the lower more likely she'll probably yes. keep becoming more complicit oh i got to do this to do this to do that because right. i want to get this signed so you do agree need these people that are but well, unquote, who do you further need further than AOC? I but guess who do you need? People... Do you need those activists, or do you need Greenwald and Door mocking no, her I because she cried? Because she cried about uh, uh, sure. talking about her trauma in one six, and and whatever you think about that, what that's not lobbying anybody. No, every I, that, I know what you're that doesn't yeah, do yeah. anything. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, that's my point. Money, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're, just, they're, they're, they're taking money out yeah. of the movement. Yeah, they're yeah, taking yeah. money out of the movement. That's yeah. what's disgraceful. Well, people start yeah. with good causes in their heart, trying to be like they get in for good reasons most of the time, unless they're like these sociopaths that you're talking about. And I think it's the system that absolutely breaks them. Of course. Well, yeah, and also the, the system, the United States is an aircraft carrier. Do you know what it's going to take to turn that thing? Oh, uh, I know. It's I mean, I mean, one it, degree it, at a time. Come know? on. Yeah. Like anybody who believe. I mean, listen, the fact that Medicare for all is even spoken about as a rational idea that they've mm -hmm. even talked about lowering the eligibility to 60, which is a real conversation happening in Congress. I don't think people understand how radical that is when you could not even get child's health care passed 25 years ago in this country. You could not even get universal child's health care, uh, pre, you know, uh, 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 pediatric care, which sure. is now something that's guaranteed un under Medicaid or lowering the Medicaid age. 
if you have two choices, you either have to transform the system from within, which takes a, a titanic time uh, amount of time and will never um, be satisfying. It's not, it's just going to not be because uh, you get four people in a room. They can't come to a consensus. How are you going to get 350 million people to come to a consensus? Uh, and the other one is, okay, we smash the system and build something new. Well, you better know sure. what that not something new is because in the formation of this country, it was from visibly from 1703, I think, or 1711 to 1768. And that was analog days. That was back in the day where, you know, everyone's meeting in taverns and having carrier pigeons bring shit. There was no clean water. They were drinking beer all day. Those Masonic lodges that popped up all over Europe were think tanks. That's all they were. They uh, were yes. think tanks and they were taking concepts of antiquity and, and whatever you think about. It, I know there's a whole narrative of the United States is built on a, obviously a Western tradition. That's a co-option of antiquity that, that leaves out all the contributions of South Asian and Middle Eastern and African. I'm, I'm not talking about whether it's a great system or anything. I'm just saying in operation 60 years, ge generations of people formulated how they were going to execute what became, uh, uh, whether we like it or not, one of the great awakenings in human history, which was the concept of individual self in relationship to the collective uh, outside of the monarchy, outside of control. Self-governing, although in Islam had happened for uh, over a thousand years, they elected mullahs. I mean, we forget that most of our system is built on an Islamic system the United States, like most of the fundamentals of how we operate actually is born out of the Moorish occupation of Southern Europe uh, in the 700s. And then you can go further back and it's inspired by elements of the Greek and Roman systems. But this idea that we were some new thing, we're not, but it was the, it was the latest formulation of the, of the code that was put forward and look what it did. Is it great? No, it's, there's a lot of tragedy behind it, for sure. Uh, I still don't think the idea's bad just because all that shit's bad. What's the alternative? That's my thing. My question is, what's the alternative in our current world? What's the alternative? A European system? Yeah, that would be great. Do we only pay 3% of our GDP to defense? Because that's what Europe does. Because what do we do? We pay, <laughs> you know... Uh, a shit ton more yeah. to defend them sure it's just anyway it's all a military Sorry. this is i mean not, do you think what do you think trump do you think trump broke you <laughs> do you think you playing trump actually broke you anthony yeah i think it did oh, i mean cut so much of this out let's keep talking <laughs> longer because this was so boring oh my this god fun none of this was fun sorry i'm you gonna show up and you ask me questions i'm sorry anthony no you have i mean you have passion and i after i remember you used to come this is normal for me, this this dynamic okay. of you okay. talking to me like this. Yeah, I know. Shows, remember, I used to work the door. It used to come outside. You used to get me high, and you used to lecture at me for three hours. <laughs> you would just stand there, and I would stand there, and you would teach. You would just teach. You about would... the world or about improv? Or Anything. about a combination Anything. of two? About Anything. the world. About the world. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, by the way. It's all this maca. It's just fucking... <laughs> 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 I mean, Anthony, you're talking with your dick right now yes 
Yeah, I'm talking out of my dick. No one knows. <laughs> Anthony literally, uh, he, he elevated from his chair. His penis came out of his fly and started talking into the microphone. Yeah. Ten minutes. Yeah. Now there's actual real dry cum on the mic. <laughs> I mean, uh, most of the time on the podcast, we talk about me uh, as a young boy sniffing coke and, and me having crushes on girls. So <laughs> this, this is most of our listeners out there just went, okay. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's going on? I mean, listen, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I'll say this. I find most people who are crowing about bullshit and how it's got to change and all that are full of shit and they're doing fine. And most of the people yeah. who really need the change are too busy working their asses off to even figure out what to do. And I think that's my resentment about the current dynamic is you have the same private school educated and I went to private school for a bit. You, but I, so I know these. Wait, 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 Yeah, I am a hypocrite. I went to private school for a bit because my school was so bad. I had to go to a private school. My grandparents paid for it. I know these people. These people, holy shit. These are your, these are your people. They are my people. These are, how many Jewish people were at this private school that you went to? None. You're the only Jewish guy? Yeah, you know, my high school, I went to public high school and, but I went to another district and uh -huh. uh, and uh, uh when i got elected president of my school they um the headline in the beverly paper was jew jew elected chelsea jew elected president of hamilton <laughs> no oh joke my god. chelsea jew oh my god and the school board tried to uh strip me of my title they tried to say well he's not from uh hamilton so he shouldn't be the school president because they were like he's not one of us we well, also because I was advocating for condom distribution in the school because it was 1992 and AIDS was ravaging uh, everywhere. And I, was, I and so I was handing out condoms for my locker. And I also uh, I actually put something in effect that's still in the state of Massachusetts that a student observer must be president at all parent like teacher school, like the school board meetings. Uh -huh. There must be a student um, rep there uh, to to uh, be able to advocate for the students in the school when they're, they're trying to make uh, decisions. Do you know how annoyed so many kids are at you that they have to go to these fucking PTA meetings now? Oh yeah. So many kids are pissed because their Friday nights taken up at these PTA meetings. Yeah, there's <laughs> always some fucking geek ball that's into it. Yeah, of course. They're never, the one who volunteers. I never I wouldn't go to that. By no. the way, I, I did that and I was like, I'm not going to that fucking meeting. You just made the law and you said, good luck everyone else behind me. Oh, I'm a huge hypocrite. Listen, I've embraced being a hypocrite. I love it. I mean, because I think everybody's a hypocrite and we just yes. don't you don't turn into the fucking skid. I mean, I'm the first person to be like, we need to do this and do it now. Yeah. Somebody else. <laughs> yes. It's easy to talk from home. It's easy to talk I gotta from play home. Microsoft Flight Simulator. I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> They've got live weather. Oh my god. Anthony. Yeah. You were almost in 9-11. We talk about 9-11 <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> you were almost in it. Right? And my wife's parents were also almost in it. What do you mean? So my know. wife's parents had yeah. an appointment that day uh -huh. in the morning, but they ended up uh, uh, they were up late the night before because they published an air cargo uh, publication and they were up late the night before getting it together. And they normally go down to put the, they would literally distribute the paper. So they would put the paper in the newsstand of at the towers. Uh -huh. And that day they they slept late. And so they they missed it. My story uh, 20 years later of 9-11 <laughs> is uh 
Well, first off, I went to a party at Windows in the World eight days before 9-11, my friend's birthday party. Amazing. And I was, I remember, and it was the only time I'd ever been up there. And I like looked out the thing at the other tower and I was like, oh man, I was like, this would be horrifying if you had to like jump from here, right? Yeah. And then th- two Jesus days, two days before, wait, two days before 9-11, my friend Zach was in town and we were at the, um, the Flatiron, uh, not the Flatiron, at the, uh, there's a hotel south of Canal Street. I forget what it's called now. Um, oh, and, it's like the little triangle one. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah my haircut ladies platter. there. Oh, yeah. My haircut yeah. ladies there. Blackstone. I r- highly recommend Mora at Blackstone. I love so, that. So uh, she's the best. And um, she, uh, uh, so he was sitting there and he goes, oh, we're going to go up uh, to the, the towers. And I kid you not, I said to him, I go, I wouldn't go up there. I was up there a few days ago. I was like, if someone hit that building, you'd be fucked. <laughs> Uh, right i was like you'd be fucked man you'd be fucked so so the night before uh 9 11 here's my ultra fast version of the story i worked at this place called john's pizzeria on the upper west side it was a shitty job but also you know my job for great pizza i worked there six years um so uh that night i was like fed up i think i had a fight with the manager or something and i was like fuck it and at my cousin's wedding like two months prior his best man and best friend uh, rest in peace, uh, offered me a job was like, Hey, why don't you come work for me, uh, at, at, at my office in the tower, which was in the towers. Um, you can do the kitchen stocking. So it, cause I was a waiter. He's like, what you do is you show up in the morning at like six in the morning, you stock the kitchen for all the, you know, traders and all that. And then, um, you're done for the day and it's like 70,000 a year. And I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, it's a perfect actor's gig because you're yeah. You're in and out. You're done by eight in the morning. You have the whole day to do whatever you want. So I, at the time, was like, oh, I don't know. And you know how when you get offered something and you're like, I don't really want to do. I mean, I do want to change, but I don't want to change. So I just sat on it. Sure. So this night I was pissed. So I got home and I emailed Frank. I said, hey, man, I think I want to quit my job. Uh, you know, can I come in? He wrote back when, yeah, absolutely. He goes, come in tomorrow morning and we'll, uh, and we'll you know, talk about it. So... Uh, I went, okay, okay, I got to go to bed early so I can go beat him in the morning. I got ripping high, and I was sitting there, and then I had this, like, fucking insane panic attack. Like, my heart started pounding. I got all dizzy. I'll never forget it because my roommates were like, what's going on? I'm like, I'll be right back. And I went into the bathroom and just stared in the mirror for, like, 20 minutes. And was like, what is going on? What is going on? And I was like, am I having a heart attack? I was like, I'm too young for this. I was like whatever and then i thought maybe i'm just anxious about the job so i go, i go to bed and i'm but i did go to bed early so i'm just like lying there awake right and the traffic in my fucking head you ever have that where you just like you're hearing shit and there's just like traffic in your fucking head you could close your eyes you could listen to something else but you could only hear you yes yes yeah. but the thing is i mean people are gonna be like uh-oh i really do like if i have this particular thing that happens to me where i get like really hot in the spine i can't sleep and i hear traffic like as if i'm like fucking not magneto if i'm like professor x it's like i'm hearing all these other conversations and like pieces of shit, and it's not my voice i'm like hearing like other and i so i imagine my brain must just be firing shit that i heard all day or i don't know what so i'm lying there kind of going am i going crazy (laughs) and it's like hour one hour two hour three so it's like four in the morning and i'm supposed to be up at seven to like go in there 
And I'm like losing my mind because I've had insomnia for stretches of my life. And when it starts to come on, it really freaks me out. And I am not religious. So I fucking get out of the bed. I get on my knees, put my hands like, you know, like what you see in like a cartoon or something. Right. And I'm like, please, God, let me sleep. And I'm like, I will do anything. I was like, I need to change my life and da, da, da. And I hadn't like fully sobered up yet. And any of this. So I'm like, also have other shit going on. And I'm like, I will do anything. I'm like, show me a clear, obvious sign as to what to do with my life. Show me a physical, clear sign. And so, and and so then I. This is why. This is why he made a show. Like, what if it never happened? He he feels partially responsible. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I go to, and I immediately am like, go to sleep. And I like fall asleep, right? Boom, he's out. God goes, your wish is granted. All right, so here's the second part of the story. My buddy Dave can ver- verify this. Um, so years ago, uh, when the Gulf War was happening, my best friend Dave and I were hanging out in his living room, and we were watching the Gulf War, and we started having this conversation about what would it take to sort of suspend basic like uh, uh rights in the united states like what what would be the scenario that would have to happen mm-hmm. and so dave and i you know we're like 13 and we're like well this would have to happen and it would have to be a terrorist attack and then they'd suspend first amendment rights and then sure. they, and we had this whole conversation about where it could happen and how it could happen you thought the patriot act before they did so it was just a I, glimpse in cheney's eyes that- yes i but we thought <laughs> yeah but we knew it the phone rings and my best friend of now 35 years, Dave, goes, it's happening. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, what we talked about. He goes, it's happening. And I was like, what? And he goes, a plane hit the tower. And I don't think it was a mistake. This is before the second one hit. Before he goes, I need to call Anthony up. Yeah, because we are both, you know, conspiracy. Yeah. And he's in Boston. And so I get up on the roof and I'm like, talk. I'm talking to him. And... He's like, he's like, this is a mistake. Something's fucking happening. I think this is the moment. And I was like, all right. I'm like, maybe. I'm like, holy shit. And I'm seeing the tower smoke. And then I, I say to him, because from my point of view in Astoria, where I was, it just looked like a big explosion happened. And I went, oh, my God. I go, it just exploded again. And he went, no, dude, that's another plane. <laughs> oh, my God. So. Uh, I didn't go downstairs and email Frank. I'm like, I'm not coming in. I'm not coming in today for the job interview. Uh, and, uh, then, and he said, fine. And then, uh, uh, Frank passed away in the building. And then that was, uh, did oh my, yeah. And that's, that's Jesus Christ. That's heavy to email someone that died. And he responded to the email. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I didn't go like, well, Frank died. Let me write him. No. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been this magic. was before that would have been magic. <laughs> I but this is before that happened. How many days after 9-11 did he respond to the email, Frank? Yeah, like five days later. <laughs> and it said out of the office. Wow. Oh, I thought <laughs> for some reason I thought that you were like so because I, I heard so many stories as a kid, like, oh yeah, blah blah had a dentist appointment that day, and for some reason, or or Steven's mom never took off work to watch his football game. And that was the day that she took off. There were so many of yeah. those. Stories. Yeah, there was a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I slept through when I was supposed to leave because I stayed up so late. Yeah, I would have gone. I mean, if I had woken up at seven, I would have gone down there. Jesus. I went down there the next night. I went so down just there. Look around. 
I helped. I helped. I helped like move like shit. Like I helped. I knew a bunch of cops back in the day. Oh, okay. So I went down there and wore a respirator and like just like helped move a little rubble for a little bit and then yeah said see you later. More of like a show of you know solidarity with those guys. Of course, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just a kid, but that fucking that was that was a time, you know. For me. Oh yeah, I mean, and listen, I mean, we're all living. You know, I, I would argue he still won. Bin Laden won. Look at us. You look think... at us. Jesus. Look at this country. I mean, well, <laughs> yeah. look at us. Look at us. Look at where we're at. We elected a fucking duty dough butt fuck. We are completely uh, uh, are. We don't even understand our fundamental rights anymore. We think it's OK to be surveyed. We we willingly give away our information online. Our country's completely fallen apart. We've had the first of what will be many coup attempts. We're going to have think there's going to be more. Oh, my. Are you kidding me? There's going to be like Oklahoma City times a thousand in this country. This is this decade's a nightmare. This decade will be a nightmare. The 20s like, will be a nightmare. The 20s will be a fucking nightmare, a nightmare, a violent nightmare. And Jesus Christ, Anthony, there's I mean, no I, I mean, there's, there's no How many days there's, after that. Did you believe in God? Yeah, uh, I don't. No, but you know, after you asked for a material, <laughs> clear oh, no. sign, were Wait, you like, all right. Hold on. You know, who I read, you know who I like? You ever read this guy? No, no I've never read no. So Neville Goddard. So by the way, one of the most read theological writers by um, quantum like uh, physicists, like theoretical physicists. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, he, he published 10 books uh, in the 20s. 10, teens, 20s, and 30s of the last century. And he posits what I think is the most likely scenario, uh, which is that if you take a look at the Bible as not a literal telling uh, or even an allegorical telling of, of vagaries, but as a discussion of the psychological, psycho-spiritual map of the mind, that the Trinity the idea of God and man or Christ and what that, what the, I am my father's son stuff, all, you know, the son of God type stuff has to do is with the idea of a larger super organic system that we're a part of that we can't conceive of because we are a tendril from that system. So I am me, but I am the absolute me and the absolute me doesn't exist. I am a tendril. I'm a manifestation of the absolute version of myself. And so God is me and be, and, and because all of us have quantum systems called brains, organic systems yeah. that operate at a quantum level as well, because everything is made up of quanta that, uh, our interpretation systems that sense the world and order the static into the world we're in each individual one works to collectively build the universe we're in the reality we're in, but each one of us can also determine and shape our own perceived reality, which that. is concrete reality. So that's the closest I could get to in terms of going God, which would simply be, yeah, I'm in some system and I'll die in this body. And then I'll sort of have another part of the system revealed probably in some conscious state. And quite frankly, if I want to, I can see that system. Now, if I want to meditate deeply, if I want to, do some of the ascetic work that requires you to sort of diminish 
the value of this physical system Yourself. so that you can go inside or outside, whatever you want to call it, and, and take a view of what the other larger system that you're in? Yeah, of course you can. You could know what's going to happen before you die. It's just meditate deeply. That that's I, what's going to happen. I mean, I mean, I <laughs> it's not do that believe, hard. I, but so you talk about how you create your own reality with your that it's a part of you does create your own reality with your thoughts. There, Anthony, right? Yes. So why? Uh, my question to you is: I feel like you involve yourself in such heavy, sad thoughts sometimes. Why aren't you yes. trying to kind of like create a reality that's a little lighter for yourself? Or is that yourself just a, uh, like, I guess I don't consider them heavy or sad. They're just things. I mean, like, I don't, I don't live around moping, you know? No, no, yeah. you don't. They're I mean, just... I'm, I, I have the time of my life. If, and at the same time, <laughs> if anything, I would say my own internal sort of anxieties, my, you know, my deepest thing, yeah. uh, uh, that sort of gets me is emotions. When I have an emotion that, um, I don't understand why it's happening. And it feels, and you know how you have emotions in your body, right? Yes. So you'll, you'll be sitting there and you'll start to feel something in your chest, right? Or you'll start to feel sort of a, a, a hum in your face, right? And it feels with this dropping sensation, let's say what we would qualify as a bad feeling, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And um, I think those are the things connecting to our earlier conversation about addiction is like, those are the things I've always worked to escape. You know, talking about like the oncoming t 10 years of nightmare that's coming. I have no power over that. That's way outside of my control because sure. this is the, the charlatanism of the of the new age movement, which is the same as the charlatanism of the evangelicals, which is the same as the evangelical performative left, which is which is providing salvation through some sort of pseudo interpretation of 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 something they've read that makes them, then they, they make it absolute, like the secret, right? You know how yeah, there's yeah, the yeah. secret, okay? Of course. And, and what I love about the secret and all these things is it's amazing that there is an ancient word, an ancient power, all the way back from Egypt, like maybe even before, from an ancient civilization we don't even know. And that secret that has been passed on to the generations and introduced in this book is the, the, the power of that secret is to get great real estate deals, the woman of your dream and like really balloon out your bank account. And I love that, that, <laughs> that, that, that nobody does sees the cognitive dissonance in that, that they go, Oh, the ancient secrets about me accruing like wealth and like buying cars at auction. That's, yeah. that's the secret. And really, so the secret wasn't used to end world hunger or to elevate and liberate people. Hmm, I have a feeling there's no fucking secret. It was good and, for uh, good mortgage rates. You know, right. That's why I used my secret. Exactly. And so yeah. what is the truth? Yes, the truth is that uh, in a perfect world, my system, I can determine reality to a certain degree because what I witness is determined out of the system that is mine. So therefore, I can interpret even the external world through my like will of 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 conscious interpretation but what people do is they take that and they go well if you think you're going to have a good job you'll have a good job and it's like no that's magic that's yeah. not real and so the problem is is that things that are vague i mean think about it even in books on hermetics mm -hmm. uh, books on hermeticism even on on books on magic even if you real real you know like studies of like in magic through antiquity like not like a magic book from like Barnes and Noble, sure, like sure, a sure, sure. history of magic. 
all of the things have to do with totems and representations and metaphors, right? Uh -huh. So the, the whole point is that whatever power the brain has, even if it does have to alter reality, let's say, yeah. it's very difficult, if not impossible, to do that. How could there be some easy shortcut that we haven't discovered yet? Well, do you think in the future that they might discover that? Or do you believe in past civilizations that they discovered that? And that's why they might have come to like an end oh. or left this, left this planet or something along those lines? I mean, I don't know if they left the planet, but I, I think that um, I, I would have a I would guess this way. I don't think that like the ancient peoples had a way to like lift stone with their minds. Sure. No. But do I think that with more silence and more contemplation and less light at night, and you know where you don't have light pollution of course and you I see your a whole study on that like relationship not... to the stars yep people like, in cities no, no, don't people in cities don't believe in god like they don't believe they believe in themselves so much more because they can't see the universe and they don't realize that they're part of something much greater than themselves so that's when the ego gets exploded and that's yep. when you start like and wanting things like material things and hurting other people and not like like thinking that you are the king of the universe yes Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so think about how that would change in consciousness. Think about when the volumes of this work were all written and done. And then you have to look at the manipulators, because with all this stuff, there are manipulators. There's a woman, uh, Blavatsky, wrote a book called The Secret Doctrine. That book was the blueprint for Hitler writing Mein Kampf, because Blavatsky took the story of the Aryans, which were Iranian and South Asian, and he and, and she mapped them to Norse white norse godlike people mm -hmm. hitler read blavatsky's secret doctrine which was an anti-semitic screed and then he in jail and then he took that book and then he wrote mein Kampf, sort of inspired by blavatsky's secret doctrine so the conspiracies are dangerous and and toxic minds can take them and pervert them into uh, any sort of excuse to do any sort of dark shit. so with everything you talk about you have to have a sober mind and, and you have to be clear-headed and not get pie in the sky about it. So, like, I love talking about the power of the mind. Uh, you yeah. did the meditation class. I think it yeah. had value. I know it's had value for me. But it does. In other words, you could be those things and not be a hippy-dippy fuck. Like, you can be those things and not have to be some presenting shithead. And I think that's, like, my least favorite thing. I meditate every day. I think it's, yeah. like, and I, I, I only talk about it so people know it calms me and connects me to to the reality that is happening right now yes. in front of me, rather than yes. like, it's not something that I, I need to brag about to people. It's something that I say, you should try this because it makes me remember where I am in the moment. Yes. And I could say from knowing you, you know, for, in the way that I've known you over the years, that you're exactly, you were, you became exactly who I thought you'd become in the sense that you grew, enlightened, opened, were already open, yeah. kind, thoughtful and like all the things that i thought you were you proved me right which makes me very happy you that's know that's nice Santa. i yeah. mean i i work on myself every fucking day that that's yeah. one thing that i have to do because i can't i i this i fight the, the the devil's inside of me i want to figure out how to get this pfizer said you can get a third shot now and like mm -hmm. it'd be good i like want to go and plus the boss is like get a hundred bucks now so i was like maybe i should like pretend i lost my vaccine card be like oh, i never got my second shot can you give me one <laughs> And they get a third one and a hundred bucks. Oh my God. What a deal. I love that they're rewarding all these fucking knuckle dragging apes. And, and meanwhile, we can't fucking, I could, I didn't, I had to wait in line and get a bunch of shit. Where's my money. Give me my money. I should get a bonus for getting it early. <laughs> fucking assholes.
Unbelievable. I know de Blasio, that motherfucker. What do you mean you know de Blasio? I did de Blasio's, um, that mayor's dinner thing he does. You did the mayor's dinner? At, Twice. At, at the at, mansion? No, no, well, they don't do it at the mansion. They do it downtown. Oh. They do, they do, but uh, yeah, I did it t- two years in a row. We did a sketch together. You and de Blasio. Wait, what was the sketch you did with de Blasio and how was he? I'm <laughs> Trump and, and I'm like yelling at him and we uh-huh. would do a rehearsal and the worst <gasps> thing about him is he high fives a lot. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so like you're like doing the rehearsal and he's like that was a great one right high five and he'd like slam your fucking hand and the second rehearsal the second year because i was like obviously a little first year i was like mr mayor and all this sure second time i see him i'm like how's it going mr mayor and i only call him mr mayor i wouldn't call him mayor de blasio sure and he's like why you call me mr mayor i go because i think it's funny and uh and that's like <laughs> it's like it makes me feel like i'm in ghostbusters yeah. so, <laughs> so he, he was, I would go, how's it going? He goes, oh, God. He's like, I'm just tired of being mayor. I go, you just got reelected. He goes, yeah. I go, why'd you do it? I go, I'll be mayor. I go, you want me to be mayor? He's like, yes, yeah, Anthony. Uh, and we start doing the rehearsal. And like the fourth time he high-fived me, I go, why? I go, why do you high-five so much? I go, stop high-fiving me. Let's just do the rehearsal. <laughs> oh, my God. Did he get That's- self-conscious? No, but you know what he did do is the year prior, I said uh-huh. to him, Hey man, I got a four-way stop. That's a two-way stop that needs to be a four-way stop at the end of my street. Uh, so I said to him, and I go, it really needs to be a four-way stop. He went, okay, well, we'll look into it. So the second year, I go, hey, where's my four-way stop? And he goes, what? I go, I asked you last year, I, we need a four. I go, I'm telling you, there's been an accident there almost weekly. I was yeah. like, it's impossible to cross the street. I was like, and he goes, okay, where is it? And I give him the thing. He goes, I'll tell my DOT head and we'll see what they, what they say. Uh, we do the, we go to do the show. And at the end of the show, we're in the dressing room and he walks in, he goes, you got your four-way stop. And I went, really? <laughs> and then two weeks later, four-way stop, which I still go to and mm-hmm. stand there and like monitor when people try to roll through. And I go, slow down. Come on. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I really do that. I mean, this is how far comedy has made, uh, gotten you, Anthony. You literally... <laughs> You literally are making traffic rules. That's how funny you are. I fucking reshaped. I can say that I actually had a physical impact on New York City. No, An no one actual, else's comedy can do that. I saved lives. I saved lives. Someone would have died at that intersection, and I saved lives. You're I'm a com- hero. Yeah, I'm a fucking hero. I mean, and when we when we hit our pots and pans, it was for you. It was for you. Of course, it was. Point. Yes. I hope you know I used that. to do that. Well, you know what I used to do is uh, uh, during that when they do the pots and pans with, a, you know, I would go to the nearest medical center and I would buy some scrubs. <laughs> and then right as everyone walked out, I'd cut right in front of them and go, excuse me, excuse me. Hello. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and I would scream that over and over again. Wow. And uh, and I would shove especially I would shove them all aside, you know, and I go, yeah. excuse me, let the white, uh, we please let the white middle-aged man through. He needs a little bit of credit. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's the new dressing up as a cop is dressing up in scrubs and walking the streets? Absolutely. I'll kill that way. That's yeah. what I would do. I I put on my figs. I put on my figs. You have fig? You really bought no, but I'm invested in figs. I got 50 shares of figs. I'll tell yeah, you that. Yeah. When shit went down, uh, you bought figs? <laughs> yeah, when, when shit went down, I bought figs. And I would go to the COVID wards and just put people to sleep. Jesus. Why do you think we had such a high death rate in Elmhurst? It was just me. You went to nursing homes, though. Is that oh, correct? Oh, of course. I'd, I'd fuck them first. 
I'd be like, I want some of that old AIDS. <laughs> the old AIDS. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh my! I, I want to that... I want to show everybody that you can both have the conversation we had where we're talking about the betterment of people mm -hmm. and like how important it is to like care and like let's not be virtue signalers. But I also want to show you that uh, this is the hypocrite, the true hypocrite. The hypocrite can have that and also make an old AIDS joke. Well, I I, I think the deal is that people don't understand that comedy is jokes. Oh God, yeah, no, it's I it's a nightmare the out there. <laughs> that you had to do a preamble for for thirty minutes about how you believe in of people that the people all people deserve things that uh, we should just be able to live and people shouldn't uh, 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 oppress people and stuff like that. And yeah. then you can make a joke, Anthony. Then you can make a joke. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think that it's a mix, which is yes, I believe. Uh, first off, I definitely know there are things I've done on stage that I would not do now. There's definitely. Uh, and and uh, it's of course, good to grow. You yeah, mean like my, well, and in my mind too. You know, you you know, you want to believe you could do anything, and yeah, and I do believe at some point. I think when there's equanimity or equality, I guess, in um in performance, in the sense that the representation is such that yes. it's uh uh it's it's robust, where it's uh, not even really you know something you consider. Then I think probably the idea of like oh i'll play an asian character and this black guy will play a woman and this woman will play uh some differently abled person or whatever then yeah maybe then in improv you can do that more readily because it there isn't the sort of glaring thing of a bunch of white guys in cargo shorts um and and the and the truth of the matter is is there's so many scenes i watched where the joke was was i'm playing someone of a different race i'm playing someone of a and that was the joke and that's not and you know this from my class like that sure. was never that's not the joke you're playing a character just to be the character it doesn't yeah. matter what they are that's not the point the point is the joke underneath but yes. the thing i had to come to terms or understand was it's not enough for me to think that intellectually i have to uh understand as comedy comedy adjusts the audience is there you the audience is a participant in the show and if you're giving them you know i mean listen it's the same thing if i was a television salesman this is how i feel the state of a lot of comedy and some comedians are and they think they're fighting some big fight and they're not which is if i'm a tube television salesman and now there's 4k organic light televisions with you know near perfect screens right Mm -hmm. I'm like the tube television salesman going, what do you mean I can't sell my tube TVs? Sure. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can sell your tube TVs all you want. Nobody fucking wants them. They yes. suck and they're not interesting because sure. I want to play Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 on my Xbox Series X on the 4K 120 FPS. Uh, I think we're a long ways away from people being able to play other ra races like that. Oh, though. Anthony, oh, we're no, we're a we long way, way away. I but I'm saying I don't saying, know if that's ever going to be a possible. I just think it's like, yeah. If I it, think I think there's a world where that does happen in the sense of. I mean, it also all depends on the collection of people and and who you're performing with. Yes. But I I don't say that to go like I can't wait to play someone of another race. <laughs> I'm saying it as Anthony's an example. Anthony's retired from improv till that's yeah, the case. Yeah, and then yeah. they'll come back. I retired from improv the minute I could. I'm saying that when I think of the things that I did that were well, like well-meaning or, yes. or were not, not in my mind considered something I was doing for an exploitational thing, 
that wasn't enough. And I think that was the corner a lot of people had to turn because when you're in an insular space where you're only seeing your own self reflected back to each other a million times over, it's very easy to convince yourself you're a hero. And and uh, then you go, oh, wait, no, there's actually all these folks who are like, fuck you. What the yeah. fuck are you doing? It's awful. And so I think that the whole like woke cancel culture, all that bullshit, everybody's working. The most offensive people in the world still have their festival in Austin and yeah, every, yeah. nobody's lo- <laughs> like, nobody's losing anything. No, so, it's just you, know, you don't like them. And that's yeah. fine. you shouldn't like them. Don't like them. Yes. Yeah. Don't like me. I don't care. You know, like I, I don't believe in. I like. I'm not worried. People that are worried about being canceled just makes me. It's bullshit. Inside, you know? And and free speech also is speech by the wallet. So if I yes. say I don't want to pay to yes. watch you do your shit, or I want to say to the venue I don't want to go to your business because this person's there, you are not preventing that person from speaking. You're preventing them from their paid gig if the club agrees with the protest then guess what no one silenced you you're selling something people don't want you can always go right out to the nearest street corner and you can do all the material you want and the only thing that can be done to you is someone can meet you with their speech that's it that's the extent so if you're yelling on the corner all your awful material that no one wanted to see in the club and i show up and start screaming you down because i don't want you I, I don't like what you're doing. All of it's free speech. That's the messiness of free speech. Yeah. But at the same time, like when they canceled Parler, uh, you know, when they when oh, they, yeah. they when they got rid of Parler, I thought that was bad. And I'll wow. tell you why. I like knowing where they are. I like knowing where the Nazis are. I want to see yeah. their posts. I want to see their accounts. I want to see them organizing and talking about what they're going to do next. And I think that pushing them down and, and, and marginalizing them away is like compressing coal. I think it's making it more actually um, powerful. I think that it's better when it's out in the sunlight. That also is m- mitigated by those large companies like Twitter and Facebook that not, they don't just, uh, let's say, allow a forum. They are promoting that forum and they are trying to recruit through the algorithm to get other people to digest that. So that's the tricky space. And it always comes down to the algorithm, which uh, should be, there should be, we should just ban algorithms. I mean, you could do nothing else. How but, would they make money? That's the way they keep people on the on the platforms. Well, the then they can charge they can charge yeah. a subscription fee like anybody else because they should because what everyone's doing is being so fucking hoodwinked. Facebook is an advertising platform that makes you believe it's a message board, mm-hmm. and all it's doing is getting you to buy shit and regurgitate garbage. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So when you sign up for your Twitter account for free, you're paying. You're paying with $200,000 worth of marketing information and about 20 years worth of analog uh, 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 FBI or CIA research on you. You report your movements every day, everywhere. You share everything you think, all your thoughts, what you consume. They don't need to spy on you. They don't need to. Sure. I I totally. It's like, oh, they're going to the microchip. I'll tell you in your arm. They'll tell you where you go. Your phone tells you everything. 
What yeah, why the fuck they need to inject it in your arm? You've got Nothing. one in your hand already. I know. It's absolutely insane when people say that shit, you know, because it's truly everything. My phone listens to every word I say. Oh, the Alexa. I can't get an Alexa. I can't get a Google Home. They hear yeah. everything. My phone. I'm literally talking into my phone, telling it my thoughts all day long. Oh, yeah. All my shit listens to me. Half the time, Alexa's like, what? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Alexa can't li- is the worst out of all of them. No joke. She'll just be like, what? And I'm like, why? Or she'll be like some morning. She'll be like, I have a morning routine that will play fucking music. I was like, will you fuck <laughs> off? What are you, my mother? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> morning routine that plays music. Oh, my God. Um, Rob, what do you think of all this, by the way? Yeah, Rob. What do I think of all this? Yeah, Rob. After all this, what do you think? (laughs) I think a few things. One, I don't really hear the microchip theory. I think a lot of people have other – that's evolved to like there's – I I think people have gotten over the microchip thing. The parlor thing, I mean, yeah, it's – I think it's scary when – Google and all these things kind of just can fit their little narrative that fits in between places and they're feeding people things and the whole nine yards. But I think there was a lot of people. So I think it's getting compressed and worse. I think some people just got rid of that. Like once Trump has kind of been removed from things, they are kind of like like getting on with their a hobby a little bit more. And like he is being replaced in some people's lives. Some people it is getting worse. I agree. But I think some people have just been like, yeah, I, I, that was a weird phase that I went through. What I agree you with think? you. I, I bet you I, I do think that some people have peeled off. Yeah, I, I do think, though, that the diehard, <coughs> the fact that the Republican Party is getting more, you're going to have more Q candidates and more, you're going to have a robust Q caucus by 2022. You think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, that stuff is. I'll tell you one thing. Go, I mean, I go to eight coon and all that stuff. I look yeah, at that yeah. stuff of, you know, once or twice a week just to see what's going on. And yeah. the uh there are there I would just say that uh just because they're quiet and underground, you know, Saddam told the Republican Guard to go underground right before he left Iraq in uh, in two thousand four, three. And uh they went underground and then they reformatted as ISIS with help from the United States, who was fucking funneling the money. Um, so, you know, I would always say I'm, I'm very wary. I'm very wary because I think people want to work to diminish one six because uh, there is a clownish part to it. There were a lot of people who just were wandering through and, you know, yeah. But I, I, I've watched all, as you can imagine, I've watched all yes. that footage. Anything that comes out, I watch it. There were organizers there. There were people who were there who knew what they were doing and, and knew how to get people into the spaces. And they weren't the fucking FBI. They are former, they, they, General Flynn is, and, and amongst a m- number of other former military, are running one of the most nakedly obvious psyops in the united states right now q is a part of that but all these patriot terms all this stuff and i know it's great we see marjorie taylor green get chased away from the podium and we and we love it but i would say it's the same mistake that was made since trump started running for office which is that people live with their noses up going well this is absurd and and this is ridiculous and isn't he an embarrassment isn't isn't this an embarrassment and the people who are um really in support of this are not the folks that we want to frame it to be 
You know, we want to say, oh, the woman with the like Hillary lied, people died T-shirt, you know, yeah. who's got like a crazy haircut and she's sitting in a lawn chair out in front of the Trump rally and she's talking about JFK Jr. coming back. We want to go. That's who they are. That's not who they, that's not the thrust of this movement. The thrust of this movement are people making well over $200,000 a year who had the time to take off during a pandemic and fly up to D.C. to go storm the Capitol. Yeah. The people no. who are backing the anti-vax movements are billionaire donors who are shadowing, uh, funneling money into these groups that are actually getting a lot of young uh, lefties too, a lot of young hippie types to also not be into the vaccine. Who what are is also- their motive? Like what is a billionaire's motive to not, a, I would think it's the opposite. No, the, these, the motives here are to keep up the pressure of the notion of freedom, patriot. It's the, it's the weakest. Here's the thing that's so pathetic about QAnon. It's nakedly stupid and doesn't even make sense, but that's how dumb the people <laughs> digest this shit, how desperate they are for any kind of narrative because their lives feel out of control. And, you know, if they can bake, if they can, this is a battle for who can perpetually stay in power. And we, they, everyone knows the system's broken, right? And so this is where I would give credit to like, even like the Greenwalders and those types, which is you have the war, in my view, you have the war, which is with the sort of democratic corporate axis of surveillance and control and, and limited uh, pellets of reward for those who are getting paid garbage and are, we're fine with slave labor. It's one of the great uh, uh, ignored things about the immigration argument is that it's not a virtuous argument by the Democrats. They want that cheap half pay labor that that comes into the United States to do jobs that we won't pay a regular wage to that. It is not a virtuous for most people. It's not virtue. It's not about allowing these families to stay connected or rescuing people from Guatemala. If we wanted to do that, we would, we would figure out how to right the wrongs of a hundred years that we've committed across central and South America. So it's not virtuous there, but that's the war. That's the long-term war against essentially a pseudo into like a weak sort of democratic corporate access. The battle is the more frightening one to me, which is at least Democrats present, not even Democrats, but at least this system has order to it as exploitative and terrible and awful as it is. It's ordered and plods along. People feel a relative sense of stability. And by that, I mean a general majority of people feel some form of a sense of stability, not all people, whatever. This other one presents stability for very few and chaos for everyone. And there's just a for everyone else. And there is a battle between these two ideologies who gets to basically steer the ship for the rest of the century. Because if if the the if the current GOP manifestation is allowed is able to get control of the Congress and then the presidency, that'll be it. That'll be the end. The last election will be 2024. You won't see not without a complete breakdown of society. You won't see it. That'll be the end of it. They might still perform elections. Democrats will never get elected again. It'll be impossible. And then people go, oh, well, the new party, well, the people's party will do this. That, I mean, you know, open up your Lyndon LaRouche card table because that's about as important as you'll be. So the, so the, 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 the fact is what's going on now is essentially a battle for a corrupt system to see who gets to corrupt it. 
And my argument would be, I'd rather win the battle with the crazy Nazi folks who, who, you know, everyone talks about this is the black lives matter year or last year was, I don't think so. I think it was, that was wonderful. I think this was last year was the white rights year. I think that you saw white people in particular, although whiteness can also be a commodity, as you can see with those Q pledges, there are plenty of people of color doing the Q pledge too. So whiteness both is a commodity or a thing you can sort of buy into, or it is a state of being your whiteness. Um, and I think that when you look at from the anti-vax stuff, they have co-opted people with disabilities suffering. They have co-opted the language of the civil rights movement. Uh, in anti-vax, they co-opted yeah. the language of the Holocaust. This is classic white panic. And so they decided, oh, you're going to protest and say it's inequality and there's police violence. We'll gobble up all of your leaders. We'll start citing Martin Luther King. Now, and here's the thing. People like you or me would look at that and go, well, that's a fucking absurd. Who would even buy that shit? A lot of people who want to go, I'm not racist, will go, well, Martin Luther King said that we're supposed to da-da-da. That's This is yeah, about yeah, yeah. people going, I will not admit in any way I have anything to do with any of this. And not yeah. only that, it's those people over there. And it's that type of racism that's the most prevalent, right? I got a black guy on my block. I love him. He's great. I'm not racist. It's those people in Chicago killing each other. That's the black people I mean. That shit happens all the time. So when you have people like that cognitive dissonance like that, uh, of course they can have that sort of distance with, with autocracy as well. So I, I personally think that uh, we're uh, in the shitter. <laughs> Do you think that was a product of you going on tour all over the country and seeing, like, yeah. did that gain you like this deeper level of perspective? Or you, you know, kind of always felt this way? Actually, going around the country gave me weirdly more hope. Yeah, yeah. Why? Um, seeing that there were so many people who <clears throat> came from different sort of ideological backgrounds who could find a sense of humor in it, yeah. learning that there's a cool pocket in almost every city in the United States, there's some cool area it's or just some... not these coastal cities that everyone keeps talking about. Yeah. And, 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 and that there's a lot of problem with coastal, coastal cities and also my own neighborhood. You know, when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about every Trump supporter and all that. I'm talking about these hardcore diehard lunatics. I have like four people on my block who know what I do, who read my book, who yeah. are Trumpers, you know, who are Trumpers. I talk to them all the time. I'm friends. I'm very good friends with my neighbor. He's a wonderful wow. guy. My uncle, my, I, I have all kinds of people in my family who who see things differently, uh, you know, or my mom who's like, you know, so like, I love Joe Biden. He's the best. And, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, you can't be lockstep in your thinking. You, you have to see people for who they are and understand that, um, you know, some people have a very particular reason why they go, well, I like Trump because, you know, yeah, he's an idiot, but I, I think he's getting things done, right? Now, you could turn to them and go, you're participating in a racist system, and by what you're doing, you're actually endorsing. You could go through the whole thing with them, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll just go, what the f No, I didn't. They don't think at all about that. Yeah. So someone might go, well, they need to. And this is where we get back to the thing of enforcing thought. You can't enforce somebody to think the way you think or to consider the thing you want them to consider. So what 
you hope is if you through actions are taller or not even tolerant if you're if you are um honest about how you believe what you see but you go okay i see how you see it uh, maybe we shouldn't discuss it or we can and it's okay you never know what you'll get from someone if you give them some consideration like my neighbor who just a few months ago we're out on the porch he goes i think ronald reagan really fucked this country up yeah, i went yeah, what yeah. Wow. he went yeah he goes i've been reading a lot about it anthony and i think he fucked this country up and that's why we got trump Wow. So yeah. you never know. Wow. You have to have hope in people that people can come around. And one way not to do it for those people, for the reachable people, is to demean them. You save the demeaning, dehumanizing, and debasing for those who are nakedly, proudly saying, I am ignorant, I don't yeah. care. And those people you put in camps. <laughs> or you, or yeah. Or like the billionaires that are pulling these strings that are like just sitting in their office and whatever. Yeah, put those billionaires in camps yeah, too. Put them in yeah. camps. Jesus. You know, space camp. <laughs> no, That's I mean right. we're on Staten Island, and it's yeah, I think people mean well, and they're just like victims of misinformation, or they want to fit in with a certain group. Or like, I would say, like intentions cool. are usually pretty good, and it's like, what do you want? And they have point. I mean. They'll have like, oh, Hillary did X, Y, Z, this thing. That's bad. It's like, yeah, I, that is not, that's not wrong. Yeah. That doesn't, you're not providing a solution to the, those no. issues. You are oftentimes providing a worse solution. But if yeah. you have to hear people out and just be like, kind of nice. To them. Yeah, you got to <laughs> so hear them nowhere. Out. Yeah, because Every righteousness, you know, a lot of this stuff is just the product. You know, think about it. What's the population of your audience, Sebastian? my audience when we do improv i know it's the same self-sniffing group of assholes they're all <laughs> up their own ass about their their fucking how right they are mm -hmm. you know i one of the biggest boo lines i used to get in 2016 and 2020 was telling everyone in that audience that all of them are exploiters of slavery not only in the united United States because they took roads and they came to this building and they they rely on the infrastructure of this country which is built on the backs of blacks and uh, that they're all guilty of it they're all guilty everyone in that room is as guilty you can't sit there and say I'm above it because well I wasn't born or I didn't come here at that sure. time you got benefited from the system yeah. you benefited from this system you are a part of the problem you own a phone you you sure. are you slave labor right there Mm -hmm. So don't sit on your fucking slave phone, your phone built by 13-year-old Chinese kids, and start crowing about human rights and not expect someone to say, hey, asshole, you, you realize it's because, <laughs> because if you're just sitting on your phone typing it out in your thumb, that's not activism. Activism has the word active in it, yeah. which would mean you have to actively do something. Fuck, I would rather you at least push a button and donate money. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 of course. But just writing, like I know when I write shit, I know that I'm full of shit. Like I don't <laughs> I don't I don't write it and go I did something, I changed the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that doesn't stop me from going, you know, fuck, you know, fuck you or 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 you know, getting into it. Usually in tweets now though, whenever people respond now i used to get into a thing where i would like sort of respond and try to like me i literally just be like drink a bag of piss 
eat shit, bitch. Like I just, write, I just like, yeah. I just write like whatever. And they're like, how dare you? I was trying to have a dialogue. And I'm like, I don't, the fuck wants to have a dialogue with you? I don't know who you are. <laughs> fuck off. This is a, this is a one way street. Oh, Anthony, what you amazes me. Up? <laughs> Do I want to wrap that? I think. No, no. I thought you, I thought you were re- like getting ready to be like, oh man, Anthony, we got to go. <laughs> No, I'll keep talking. I know <laughs> I keep talking forever. I don't care. How wait? How long have you known Rob? Rob was my student. That's the deal. What? And I, yeah, so he was my student, and because uh, uh, when I was a teacher, shit. And I liked him because he was like he, he had the same kind of upbringing as me. He was a goody two shoes though growing up, but he was like Italian family from New Jersey, so I got yeah. along with him. So I was like, oh, and then during quarantine we talked, and he, he was like, I'll help you with the podcast if you want. I was like, oh yeah. So, Rob, you a UCB student? I was, yeah, for a little bit. For a little I bit? I started 2017. Oh, so you started at the very end. Yeah, the, the very, very end. end. Where it was all broken, and I was the teacher there. I'm yeah. sure you're a great teacher, actually. <laughs> I was okay. Yeah, it I was. was okay. yeah. Um, But it was not my dream. I always told the students that. I go, any teacher that comes in the room and says this is their dream is fucking <laughs> lying to you or they're a loser. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if their dream is teaching improv at UCB, that's the biggest loser I ever heard, and I don't want to learn a thing from them. Yeah, because that means that they're a terrible improviser. <laughs> yes! Well, there was people you would meet, like you were saying, that would say the right things online or whatever, and you would and then you would go out and talk to them after and have a few drinks. You'd be like, oh, you really don't understand any of like the root of what you talk about at all yeah oh yeah and you're just like oh you are so removed from reality that you're just it's like similar to the people on now they want to fit in so it's like all right we all have xyz that we all say and we have the flag and we we want to fit in like who do you love, they don't in, love cops i do live in Staten Island right now did you live in jersey before where'd you live you uh, i grew up in Saraville, new jersey that near where the Real Housewives in New Jersey? No, 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 no. That, that's like the that's like the wealthy area. When he told oh, me New where Jersey. he lived, I Teresa. said, "Oh, I know Sayreville. It's the strip club capital of New Jersey." <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> well, it's yeah, just me, right over the Outer Bridge. There's three strip clubs. Me, so. and, me and all my friends when we were 18 would drive over the border. It yeah, was, when, when you were 18. When I was yeah, 18, yeah. 18, 18, 18, 18, uh, and because it was go go, so you didn't yeah, have to. Yeah. Um, you didn't yeah, have yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was bottomless. Yeah. No, no, bottom. It was they called go go's, but they went completely naked. It was just oh. they were juice bars, you know. Oh, oh, it was that that version. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, in in New York, if it's go go, then it's pasties. Oh, really? I never went to a strip club in New York. Maybe I have, um, but uh, mostly Sayreville, New Jersey. I'll tell you <laughs> that I went to one in my early days when I was at Gotham City Improv. Uh-huh. I, uh huh. I knew a guy uh, in my in the team I was on who is a bit of a, a dirty bird. And I had never been to one in New York because I worked in one in L.A., you know. You worked at a strip club? I used to do voices. I used to do, like, a lot of, like, Clinton. And I, my friend was a DJ there, and I would come in Wednesday nights and for, like, the dollar dance. And I'd be uh-huh. like, this girl, you could get a cigar, put it anywhere. Let's welcome to the stage, Brooklyn. Like, I, like... <laughs> Yeah, and I'd be like, boldly go where no one's gone before, into the back booth. For only twenty dollars, you can spend time with destiny. Oh my! You did an SNL audition. Oh, for, I did. For I really just, did. just wearing sweatpants, trying to come in their pants. Next, next up, next up is this beautiful dancer Chantal. Be sure when she gets on the pole, you consider the source. You consider the source. 
so so the so I did that. So yeah. I my understanding of the club, you know, also was from a sort of I was let's let me just be honest. I was a client as well as a person who worked there. Uh-huh. Uh, but I also sold like a lot of e and you know coke to the girls too. Oh, nice. So, uh, so nice. I was you know it was but I mean you know like anything it's like any workplace when you work there you know it loses a little bit of its mystique. Um, but uh, <laughs> as but, he burps into the microphone, as I burp into the microphone. <laughs> um, and so but the but the uh, uh, the um, um You're in, in new, new york, york yeah. i was like uh, new york strip clubs freaked me out like at least in california they were big and you go in and you'd see celebrities there and you'd see, you know it, it felt more like a bar like it felt more like a bar where there was dancing uh-huh new york always seemed like it was like essentially like a front for like just straight up sex work you know yeah. which is nothing wrong with that but it's like that's i i you know i, I don't want to go into some like weird carpeted walled room so uh, which with this so in Queens Plaza uh-huh. there used to be a place called Dumbarton I think it was Dumbarton Dumbarton too and this is Queens Plaza when like you know Dutch kills when like it literally was Dutch kills oh, like yeah, you yeah. get killed by a Dutchman in the middle of the night um, and you know <laughs> so like I remember when I used to take a cab home in like 99 2000 the cabbie would just blow the lights in Queens Plaza he would just he, blow the lights he would he would, he would yeah. not want to stop yeah and so this friend of mine who will name remain nameless was like i want to go you want to go to the strip club it's in queen's plaza i was like uh, all right he's like no it's a good one it's good it's fun and i'm like okay so i'm thinking oh maybe he like he knows the city you know so i go i go with him and we wind the places like this decrepit like the signs hanging off and i'm like well maybe it's just the outside it is new york yeah. We go inside and it's like brown corrugated like walls, like 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 particle board walls. Oh. And then there's a, a like dimly lit but like flood lit room yeah. where there's like a half like a pole, but like half a stage. And there's just like sort of guys lingering on one side of the room, mm-hmm. no real chairs. And then just the uh, one woman sort of lazily on the pole. Yeah. And uh and i walk in he goes so you sit at this table and then when the girls come out you know you 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 pick one for a private dance and i went oh i said well you know maybe i'll just watch you know i, I don't know if i want to go for the dance i'll just you know tip a few bucks or whatever and he's like well uh it doesn't really work that way and then there's like a, a red light like came on and they're like all right gentlemen line up fucking <laughs> <No way. laughs> like i mean this was not a great workplace i think for the for the workers the girls did not look great and i don't mean like they weren't sexually appealing i mean like they didn't look like they looked like they were in a bad situation you know what i mean yeah and and the guys would just line up and then you would pick the girl you'd like point at the girl and then you would go off down a hall and so i sort of like watched it and he's like come on get in line and i was like what do you i was like i don't really want to do that and he's like no but like you can get like you know they suck your dick and stuff and i went oh i said i'm not there anymore man i was like i don't this that's not what i want i was like i'll just sit here and so i just sat in the chair while they all went oh i two by two away like noah's ark of blowjobs and uh, the, then I'm sitting there alone, and then the guy, this brutal-looking guy, came over and went, what are you doing? 
And I said, well, I'm just waiting for my friend. He goes, why don't you fucking wait outside? And I went, okay. <laughs> went out. And I just stood in Queens Plaza at like one in the morning, hugging the wall of this place, being like, please, please come out. Please, please. Oh and uh, and then like, you know, five minutes later, he came out with like a wet shot in his pants. And like, Jesus Christ. and he was like, he was like, you missed out. And I was like, I don't out. think I did. I don't <laughs> think I missed out. I don't oh think I missed God. out. So, uh, yeah, that's strip club capital. Well, I mean, I only ask you cause I'm a real, real housewives of New Jersey fan. And, uh, uh I know. And I really want to meet all of them. I want to meet Teresa and I want to meet Joe Gorga. No, I've I never have... seen it. I know what the, I think Joe Gorga looks like and people always post them, but no, I'm surprised you can't do a show with them, Anthony. Um, what, what what do you mean like have a them live, a lot or have, write something that they could be in i don't have any interest in actually working with them <laughs> <laughs> you should animals. go to an event then you should go they're... to like uh, like a, a meet and greet then i mean we're all italian we all know yeah. that there's a subhuman quality to us yes <laughs> yeah we know there's certain ones that you're like oh you're like a pile of meat with a little bit of a brain <laughs> Get away from me. Sometimes <laughs> girls think I'm more of a pile of meat with a little bit of a brain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, baby. <laughs> They're like, oh, not, not too much brain. And they go, wait, they see my dick. They go, well, he better have some brain. You know? They go, they go, holy shit, his dick looks like a fucking a, a supermarket pound of ground chuck. <laughs> it's just missing the casing, baby. It's just missing the case. <laughs> Jesus, this, I mean, this episode is duality. Uh, yeah, yes, <laughs> it's duality. Yeah, sure. Why? Yeah, it's why not? Why, why not? not? I like duality. Look at this. Look at this little funny. Very funny. <laughs> I bought this on tour. This uh -huh. little, I'm showing a, like a little unicorn thing. I, I was in a, 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 a Rite Aid and I saw one of these on the shelf and I said to Domi and I go, look at that stupid fucking thing. Go, look how fucking dumb that is. And he's like, that's like a child's toy. I'm like, a dumb baby likes that toy. I'm like, a dumb baby likes that. Not a cool baby. A dumb baby likes shit like that, right? And he I was just making him laugh, you know, fucking yelling about yeah. this thing, right? So then I went back and I bought it. And then that night we had a show in New Haven and I was like, hey, I have something I'm going to do in the wrap up. I said, so just I'm going to go a little past where I normally talk. OK. And he went, OK. And I shoved this thing in my like Trump shirt. Uh -huh. And then I like we wanted I like did a different clothes where I was like, do you want to know who really runs, like really controls everything? And I like opened up, I like turned, I was like, Bernie. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. And I was like, I'll show you what. And I unbutt, like ripped the buttons up. Like it was a quado in my stomach. Like, like, Jesus. Uh, yeah, like, and I was like, this is what controls me. His name is Huggy Fudgy. <laughs> James <laughs> lost his mind because he couldn't believe that I bought this stupid <laughs> piece of shit. And he put it in and that the whole show, he was like, you're the only person who will do an entire show with just new material just to lead to this internal joke that only I will get at the end of the show. I mean, waste everybody's time doing it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, you would, I always, what I liked about you the most was you would do a show for an hour and a half. You would get off stage and then you go in the office and have to make everyone in the office laugh. Like it yes. was never enough. 
no, no, never enough. Never yeah. enough for the of making people laugh. And I was like, I like that because it's not about like just the community. It's about you. It's for you selfishly. Yeah, I like it. I like I, yeah. I like I like making people uh, laugh and I like uh, disarming things. I think it's better to sort of disarm everything. I think it opens up people to have real conversations about stuff. I think sometimes you need to sweep away the the sort of fear of saying the wrong thing or the fear of opening up a, I don't know, a conversation. But I mean, I mean, in improv, I, I always just, you know, especially it was with my friends. It was like, yeah. I just enjoyed the challenge. I like the challenge of it. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's a game, right? I mean, it's a game, not just game of the scene, but I mean, sure. it's a game and it's an intellectual game to surprise each other, to, anticipate each other's responses um there's the game of going well how much can i be this character how much can i abandon my thought process and actually wear the thought process of this character and what will that mean and there's risks involved in that because no matter what you do someone at the end is going to go well you were saying it so like you know sure so you have to own that you know and then like the ways that you do that like trump you know I mean, people go, oh, well, you know, it must have been such a tax on your psyche and all that. There were a couple of times when it was like a couple of times where being him was too much, I would say, uh, just because you're accessing parts of yourself that are pretty, you know, some parts are fucked up. But for the most part, uh, you know, Trump was, you know, a classic sort of 40s, 50s sort of obnoxious rube character mm-hmm. and as an, an archetype that you were playing. yeah as an archetype yeah. and so playing that sort of like bloated rat packer and the sort of type of humor that comes which is a very italian type of humor very yes. sort of you know York a very thing. sort of dismissive humor i mean he always sort of does the faux mob boss thing anyway mm-hmm. um that like how much fun i mean that was fun it was fun to do it was fun sure. to be able to get away it was fun to get away with saying horrible things, but then also when that audience connected with that or judged it, flipping it back on them and being like, you're just a mirror of this shit too. Wow. So you don't get exemption. You're not better than. I know you think that my design of doing this is to go like, we're better than him. We're better than him. But my design is to go, you are him. We're the same as him. That's why we're disgusted by him. Because yeah. he's the most human president we ever had. The most human president we ever had. In the sense of fall- fallibility and grotesqueness and, and contradiction. The worst sides of a... Of yeah, a the war- yeah. Yes, but, the absolute but, disgusting lizard. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, like, yeah. Yeah. And also, he also told the truth a lot. He'd tell exactly what he was going to do. Yeah. He'd tell everybody what he was going to do. And, and everyone would go, well, I don't believe him. I don't think... <laughs> you know, so to me... Mm-hmm. I didn't, it didn't really uh, affect me, but the game for me was, okay, here's the game. Here's the way I can get away now with saying horrible stuff. And I don't mean, oh, how I can get away with being racist and sexist or anything like that. I don't mean that. Mm -hmm. I, because that was a rule at our show from day one in the writer's room. I was like, nobody in this room. And we had a very, we had a very diverse room with a majority of women writers. So it's not like this was going to really happen, but like, I was like, no, Trump is not a Trojan horse for sexism, racism, homophobia. That's not what we're doing. We're not here to get away with doing shit that we can't do because Trump said it. Our, our goal is to go move past that. 
we can depict his behavior in the truth of the character that's fine but it's advancing the ball towards something else and you know that's what if you want to talk about what was funny or fine or why i enjoyed watching you so much is i think you got that which was it was advanced you're about advancing the ball and doing mm -hmm. something way better and smarter than just anybody can get a laugh off of you know acting like you've got palsy or you know, doing a stereotypical black voice and everyone goes, oh, my God, he's white. And he did a stereotypical black voice. <laughs> Don't be putting this on me that I'm doing ballsy and black yeah, yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be like, well, or like remember, remember when you did all those homophobic characters? Remember when you did all those different <laughs> homophobic characters? What are you doing to me remember right that, now? Sebastian, or all <laughs> the anti-trans stuff you did. And the, it was Christ. It was in service of moving the ball. Yeah. I was your long-running wheelchair character. Yeah. Yes, when I was 22 years old and high as balls. Yes, when I was just trying to preach about the world, the reflection of this. Of course. Yeah. All that was what Sebastian did. Yeah. Anthony, Anthony, well, I hope to see you in real life. I mean, I only have love for you. I think you're, I you too. literally... Uh, are one of the funniest people. You helped me at UCB more than most did. I remember before my audition, you grabbed me and you told me I suck it if I don't get on a team that I'm horrible and I should leave the theater. Uh, uh, what type of... Uh, truly, and I know it only came with love. Um, I'm so happy that you're... you're did I really do that? 100%. Seconds before I walked in, you grabbed me and you kissed me on both cheeks like Fredo. You know? <laughs> That's right. I do remember this. <laughs> Only because I know you can handle it. Yeah, I only I do that to people it. I know can handle it. I loved it. It made me feel like a part. You made me feel like a part of it. And I, I love you for that. You know, well, I love you, too. And I'm yeah. proud of you. Anthony, what do you want to plug? Is there anything that you want to plug? Oh, I could tell you a couple of things Jesus I'd like to fucking plug. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, okay. What we do in the shadows, I'm going to be on season three with, um, um, uh, Marissa Wintour, Winktour, who plays my wife. She was the original, uh, lead in Hairspray. She won a, a, a Tony for that. And of course with Matt Berry and Natasha Dimitro and all those great, uh, uh, people on that show. My dad's favorite uh, show. Oh, it's a great show, and Staten and I play a Staten I play a Staten Islander, and let me tell you, poorly, poorly. I auditioned to be your friend on the show. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've auditioned a couple of times to play your friends on the show because they would say, but um, like why? Fire, didn't why didn't I book him? I'm not a good actor. No, nah, <laughs> I'm gonna tell. So I'm gonna talk to somebody about that. That's not right. <laughs> You'd be perfect. You would be. Per you'd be. I mean, I love the Listen, I love the only yes, thing is I'm gonna say those guys are Canadian. The guys yeah. who play my two buddies are Canadian. And like, yeah, between the three of us, we can't do a good New York accent. I mean, don't even get me to say real line. Just have me say coffee a couple of times at the yeah, scene. Yeah. The, the I, scene. I basically am like apparently a Bostonian who lives in Staten Island because every uh, time I try to get sort of like, hi, how you doing? It like goes, it doesn't go the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so there's that. I'll be uh -huh. in Three Busy Debras coming up uh, on Adult Swim. Love and that. of course, you can listen on all things comedy, Bill Burr's uh, comedy podcast platform. Uh -huh. This fall, John Gemberling and I are launching the Phony and Collie Show, <gasps> a, a show about two best friends who call each other every day. And we end up usually doing some scenes which we have incredible audio effects that I lay in later. Amazing. Because I'm an audio master and we interview a friend 
in a segment called three way. So uh, you can check that out. And uh, I don't know. And uh, that's it. That. That's all. That's I love I that. nothing else to plug. Tony, thank you so much. Uh, Robbie, anything you want to say? No, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> we oh, got okay. a New York uh, August 20th. Come come to our show. Oh, yeah. We got a live show coming up with uh, Robbie and I. August hey. 20th. Come out. Yeah. Where? Where's that? It's at the old UCB. And you could come do my show anytime you want. Hey, I'll come do your show. Tony, okay. If you want, if you want I'm to do back my show, from you Toronto uh, August 23rd. So anytime. Great. So we'll get you that. in September. Great. Yeah, get me in. I'll be there. I, li I love Listen, it. Listen, Rob, pleasure to meet you, by the way. Yes. You seem like good people. Yes. I know you're good people. I love that. Thank you for having me. All right, hotties. Thank, thank you, you so much for listening. Uh, Robbie, hit the fucking music. Bye.